Hello, Apa friends. Welcome to Scattering Angels. It is the second day of questions, the year 175 of the Badi calendar, December 13th, 2018. Um, I want to read right now a passage which will explain my selections of the next passage to you. This is from a letter dated June 9th, 1932, written on behalf of Shogi Effendi to an individual believer. He fully approves the idea of holding study classes, for the deeper the friends go in their understanding of the teachings, the more firm and steadfast they will become and more unwavering in their support of the institutions of the faith. Books such as the Egon, Some Answered Questions, and the Dawnbreakers should be mastered by every Baha'i. The first two books will reveal the significance of this divine revelation, as well as the unity of all the prophets of old. The last book will show how the faith was ushered into the world, and how its early adherents heroically faced martyrdom and suffering in their desire to establish the cause throughout the world. Knowing the life of those heroes will create in us the urge to follow their footsteps and achieve the same. So, in response to that, I've begun um, rereading the Kitabi Agan, which is um, it's a difficult book for me to read. It's it's um, it doesn't really lend itself at times to um, reading for scattering angels because it's it's fairly in depth and it really needs reflection. But as I make my way through this book, I might take some passages and read them to you. Today, I'm going to begin with a fairly long um, passage. It's the first part of the book, and I feel that it is, um, lends itself to being read aloud. So, here we go. I'm going to begin on page three, which is actually the first page of the text. And my goal is to read to page 22, but that might be broken up into two different episodes. So, we'll start now. In the name of our Lord, the Exalted, the Most High. No man shall attain the shores of the ocean of true understanding, except he be detached from all that it is in heaven and on earth. Sanctify your souls, O ye peoples of the world, that haply ye may attain the station which God hath destined for you, and enter thus the tabernacle, which, according to the dispensations of providence, have been raised in the firmament of the Bayan. The essence of these words is this, they that tread the path of faith, they that thirst for the wine of certitude must cleanse themselves, cleanse themselves of all that is earthly, their ears from idle talk, their minds from vain imaginings, their hearts from worldly affections, their eyes from that which perisheth. They should put their trust in God and holding fast unto him, follow in his way. Then will they be made worthy of the effulgent glories of the Son of divine knowledge and understanding, and become the recipients of a grace that is infinite and unseen. Inasmuch as man can never hope to attain unto the knowledge of the all-glorious, can never quaff from the stream of divine knowledge, the wisdom can never enter the abode of immortality, nor partake of the cup of divine nearness and favor, unless and until he ceases to regard the words and deeds of mortal men as a standard 
for the true understanding and recognition of God and his prophets. Consider the past, how many, both high and low, have at all times yearningly awaited the advent of the manifestations of God in the sanctified persons of his chosen ones. How often have they expected his coming? How frequently have they prayed that the breeze of divine mercy might blow, and the promised beauty step forth from behind the veil of concealment and be made manifest to all the world? And whensoever the portals of grace did open, and the clouds of divine bounty did rain upon mankind, and the light of the unseen did shine above the horizon of celestial might, they all denied him and turned away from his face, the face of God himself. Refer ye to verily this is truth, to that which have been recorded in every sacred book. Ponder for a moment, and reflect upon that which have been the cause of such denial on the part of those who have searched with such earnestness and longing. Their attack hath been more fierce than tongue or pen can describe. Not one single manifestation of holiness hath appeared, but he was afflicted by the denials, the repudiation, and the vehement opposition of the people around him. Thus it hath been revealed, O oh, the misery of men! No messenger cometh unto them, but they laugh him to scorn. Again he saith, Each nation hath plotted darkly against their messenger, to lay violent hold on him, and disputed with vain words to invalidate the truth. In like manner, those words that have streamed forth from the source of power and descended from the heaven of glory are innumerable and beyond the ordinary comprehension of man. To them that are possessed of true understanding and insight, the surah of Hud surely sufficeth. Ponder a while those holy words in your heart, and with utter detachment strive to grasp their meaning. Examine the wondrous behavior of the prophets, and recall the defamations and denials uttered by the children of negation and falsehood. Perchance you may cause the bird of the human heart to wing its flight away from the abodes of heedlessness and doubt unto the nest of faith and certainty, and drink deep from the pure waters of ancient wisdom, and partake of the fruit of the tree of divine knowledge. Such is the share of the pure in heart of the bread that hath descended from the realms of eternity and holiness. Should you acquaint yourself with the indignities heaped upon the prophets of God, and apprehend the true causes of the objections voiced by their oppressors, you will surely appreciate the significance of their position. Moreover, the more closely you observe the denials of those who have opposed the manifestations of the divine attributes, the firmer will be your faith in the cause of God. Accordingly, a brief mention will be made in this tablet of diverse accounts relative to the prophets of God, that they may demonstrate the truth that throughout all ages and centuries the manifestations of power and glory have been subjected to such heinous cruelties that no men dare describe them. Perchance this may enable a few to cease to be perturbed by the clamor and protestations of the divines and the foolish of this age, and cause them to strengthen their confidence and certainty. Among the prophets was Noah. For nine hundred and fifty years he prayerfully exhorted his people and summoned them to the haven of security and peace. None, however, heeded his call. Each day, to, 
Each day they inflicted on his blessed person such pain and suffering that no one believed he could survive. How frequently they denied him, how malevolently they hinted their suspicion against him. Thus it hath been revealed. And as often as a company of his people passed by him, they derided him. To them he said, Though ye scoff at us now, we will scoff at you hereafter, even as ye scoff at us. In the end ye shall know. Long afterward, he several times promised victory to his companions, and fixed the hour thereof. But when the hour struck, the divine promise was not fulfilled. This caused a few among the small number of his followers to turn away from him, and to this testify the records of the best-known books. These you must certainly have perused. If not, undoubtedly you will. Finally, as stated in Books and Traditions, there remained with him only forty or seventy-two of his followers. At last, from the depth of his being, he cried aloud, Lord, leave not upon the land a single dweller from among the unbelievers, and now consider and reflect a moment upon the waywardness of this people. What could have been the reason for such denial and avoidance on their part? What could have induced them to refuse to put off the garment of denial? and to adorn themselves with the robe of acceptance. Moreover, what could have caused the non-fulfillment of the divine promise which led the seekers to reject that which they had accepted? Meditate profoundly that the secret of things unseen may be revealed unto you, that you may inhale the sweetness of a spiritual and imperishable fragrance, and that you may acknowledge the truth that from time immemorial even unto eternity the Almighty hath tried and will continue to try his servants, so that light may be distinguished from darkness, truth from falsehood, right from wrong, guidance from error, happiness from misery, and roses from thorns. Even as he hath revealed, do men think, when they say we believe, they shall not be let alone and not be put to proof. And after Noah, the light of the countenance of Hud shone forth above the horizon of creation. For well nigh seven hundred years, according to the sayings of men, he exhorted the people to turn their faces and draw nearer unto the Rizwan of the Divine Presence. When showers of afflictions rained upon him, until at last his adjurations bore the fruit of increased rebelliousness, and his assiduous endeavor resulted in the willful blindness of his people, and their unbelief shall only increase for the unbelievers their own perdition. And after him there appeared from the Rizwan of the Eternal, the Invisible, the holy person of Salah, who again summoned the people to the river of everlasting life. For over a hundred years he admonished them to hold fast unto the commandments of God and eschew that which is forbidden. His admonitions, however, yielded no fruit, and his pleading proved of no avail. Several times he retired and lived in seclusion. All this, although that eternal beauty was summoning the people to no other than the city of God, even as it is revealed, and unto the tribe of Thamud we sent their brother Salah. O my people, said he, worship God, ye have none other God beside him. They made reply, O Salah, our hopes were fixed on thee until now. Forbiddest thou us to worship that which our fathers worshipped? 
truly we misdoubt that whereunto thou called, callest us as suspicious. All this proved fruitless, until at last they went up a great cry, and all fell into utter perdition. Later the beauty of the countenance of the friend of God, Abraham, appeared from behind the veil, and another standard of divine guidance was hoisted. He invited the people of the earth to the light of righteousness. The more passionately he exhorted them, the fiercer waxed the envy and waywardness of the people, except those who wholly detached themselves from all save God, and ascended on the wings of certainty to the station which God hath exalted beyond the comprehension of men. It is well known what a host of enemies besieged him, until at last the fires of envy and rebellion were kindled against him. And after the episode of the fire came to pass, he, the lamp of God amongst men, was, as recorded in all books and chronicles, expelled from his city. And when his day was ended, there came the turn of Moses, armed with the rod of celestial dominion, adorned, adorned with the white hand of divine knowledge, and proceeding from the Paran of the love of God, and welding the serpent of power and everlasting majesty, he shone forth from the Sinai of light upon the world. He summoned all the peoples and kindreds of the earth to the kingdom of eternity, and invited them to partake of the fruit of the tree of faithfulness. Surely you are aware of the fierce opposition of Pharaoh and his people, and of the stones of idle fancy which the hands of infidels cast upon that blessed tree, so much so that Pharaoh and his people finally arose and exerted their utmost endeavor to extinguish with the waters of falsehood and denial the fire of that sacred tree. Oblivious of the truth that no earthly water can quench the flame of divine wisdom, nor mortal blast extinguish the lamp of everlasting dominion. Nay, rather, such water cannot but intensify the burning of the flame, and such blast cannot but ensure the preservation of the lamp. Were ye to observe with the eye of discernment, and walk in the way of God's holy will and pleasure, how well hath the believer of the kindred of Pharaoh, whose story is recounted by the all-glorious in his book, revealed unto his beloved one, observed, and a man of the family of Pharaoh, who was a believer and concealed his faith, said, Will ye slay a man because he saith, My Lord is God, when he hath already come to you with signs from your Lord? If he be a liar, on him will be his lie, but if he be a man of truth, part of what he threateneth will fall upon you. In truth, God guideth not him who is the transgressor a liar." Finally, so great was their iniquity that this selfsame believer was put to a shameful death. The curse of God be upon the people of tyranny. And such, and now ponder upon these things. What could have caused such contention and conflict? Why is it that the advent of every true manifestation of God hath been accompanied by such strife and tumult, by such tyranny and upheaval? This is notwithstanding the fact that all the prophets of God, whenever made manifest unto the peoples of the world, have invariably foretold the coming of yet another prophet after them, and have established such signs as would herald the advent of the future dispensation. To this the records of all the sacred books bear witness. Why then is it that despite the expectation of men in their quest of the manifestation of holiness,
and in spite of the signs recorded in the sacred books, such acts of violence, of violence, of oppression and cruelty should have been perpetrated in every age and cycle against all the prophets and chosen ones of God, even as he hath revealed, as oft and as as oft as an apostle cometh unto you with the with that which your souls d- desire not, ye swell with pride, accusing some of being impostors and slaying others. Reflect what could have been the motive for such deeds. What could have prompted such behavior towards the revealers of the beauty of the all-glorious? Whatever in days gone by hath been the cause of the denial and opposition of those people who have led to the perversity of the people of this age, to maintain that the testimony of providence was incomplete, that it hath therefore been the cause of the denial of the people, is but open blasphemy. How far from the grace of the all-bountiful, and from his loving providence and tender mercies it is to single out a soul from amongst all men for the guidance of his creatures, and on one hand to withhold from him the full measure of his divine testimony, and on the other inflict severe retribution on his people for having turned away from his chosen one. Nay, the manifold bounties of the Lord of all beings have at all times, through the manifestations of his divine essence, encompassed the earth and all that dwell therein. Not for a moment hath his grace been withheld, nor have the showers of his loving kindness ceased to rain upon mankind. Consequently, such behavior can be attributed to naught save the petty-mindedness of such souls as tread the valley of arrogance and pride, are lost in the wilds of remoteness, walk in the ways of their idle fancy, and follow the dictates of the leaders of their faith. Their chief concern is mere opposition. Their sole desire is to ignore the truth. Unto every discerning observer it is evident and manifest that had these people in the days of each of the manifestations of the Son of Truth sanctified their eyes, their ears, and their hearts from whatever they had seen, heard, and felt, and they surely would not have been deprived of beholding the beauty of God, nor strayed far from the habitation of glory. But having weighed the testimony of God by the standard of their own knowledge, gleaned from the teachings of the leaders of their faith, and found it at variance with their limited understanding, they arose to perpetrate such unseemly acts. I'm going to stop right there. I read to page 15, so tomorrow I will pick up exactly where I left off and we'll continue with this passage. Right now I'm going to continue our reading from the hidden words of Baha'u'llah with the 49th and 50th hidden word from the Arabic. O son of man, the true lover yearneth for tribulation, even as doth the rebel for forgiveness and the sinful for mercy. O son of man, if adversity befall thee not in my path, how canst thou walk in the ways of them that are content with my pleasure? If trials afflict thee not in thy longing to meet me, how wilt thou attain the light in thy love for my beauty? And I'm going to close today with a prayer for teaching from the Baha'i Prayer Book, 
This was revealed to the Baha'is of the Western States, which is where I'm from. It's on page 212 and 213. O God, O God, this is a broken-winged bird, and his flight is very slow. Assist him so that he may fly toward the apex of prosperity and salvation. Wing his way with the utmost joy and happiness throughout the illimitable space. Raise his melody in thy supreme name in all the regions. Exhilarate the ears with his call, and brighten the eyes by beholding the signs of guidance. O Lord, I am single, alone, and lowly. For me there is no support save thee, no helper except thee, and no sustainer beside thee. Confirm me in thy service. Assist me with the cohorts of thy angels. Make me victorious in the promotion of thy word, and suffer me to speak out thy wisdom amidst thy creatures. Verily thou art the helper of the weak and the defender of the little ones, and verily thou art the powerful, the mighty, and the unconstrained. Abdu'l-Baha. Thank you for joining me today at Scattering Angels. We will continue tomorrow with our reading from the Kitabi Igan. I hope you will join me again. Thank you and have a joyous day.